This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Mr. Greg Tucker, my old buddy's on today. Uh, your Monday, your Monday buddy. Uh, you're one of my younger brothers. Is that correct? It must be. I can't. Uh, just possibly. a little bit younger, yeah, but not. Yeah. Well, just the appearance. He'd think, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you and sent me the best gift, the best of little Abner. Al Cap. Yeah. Now, I used to absolutely cook. I couldn't wait for the newspaper to come so that I could watch the latest episode. And it was one of the more enjoyable. Uh, they did la- uh, later make a movie of Little Abner. Well, there's a stage play that ran for quite a few years uh, based on the Little Abner comic strip, uh, a Broadway play. Uh, but it was... What would you say represented the era in which uh, we grew up, in which uh, uh, at the time my wife found that book uh, uh, in a bookshop uh, looking for something that would be pertinent to our experience. And you nailed it on this one. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, I can remember we lived on a farm. I would run to the mailbox. Uh, to be able to get our paper back in those old days when we lived in readable and it does it it uh, pretty much emulates our lifestyle although i don't remember my grandmother looking like uh his uh mama i guess you would say well he was a bit irreverent as uh you would expect let's see al cap and walt kelly to me define the era yeah that period yeah. And he was pretty well destroyed by one of the uh, left-wing singers back in those old days. Well, he last, went after him. Yeah, he lasted too long. He yeah. he continued to do his strip up into the 60s when, uh, I guess, attitudes and politics were changing. Well, was Joan but, Baez, I believe, was her name. Yeah, Joni Phoney was his character. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking Why of, would she get mad over that? That's good publicity. Yeah. Uh, well, I noticed you look kind of exhausted as you drug in this morning, and I uh, understand you had a big week. How many, how many occasions were celebrated? Four, oh, so five, many, uh, at, yeah, at least. At least that many. I think there was yeah. even more than that. <laughs> well, you only turned eighty once, and uh, it's the first time I've ever done a radio show with an octogenarian. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, an octa an octogenarian. Yeah, that means eight. Oh, I thought I thought it meant that I was still breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, let me let me make a serious comment. I want to extend sympathies to the Wax family. Uh, yeah. Kevin Wax is a very good friend and has been the publisher of four of my books, and uh, so I feel close to the family. Uh, they lost the patriarch, Nevin Wax, died within the last couple of weeks. He was a and good man. It's always difficult to lose a parent, even yeah. one who's lived 89 good years. Uh, but the Wax family is probably one of the most confident and and uh, settled families of faith that uh, I know in Rutherford County, and and obviously they uh, they know where they'll gather again, and uh, I admire I admire that. But uh, traditionally, our our sympathy goes out to the Wax family on their loss. Very strong in the Franklin Road uh, Baptist Church. Very strong. Yeah. And uh, obviously he had a, a career in, in printing and graphics, but he also was quite an aviator. Uh, did a lot of flying and uh, a very interesting interesting life. Actually, he did my first uh, political uh, campaign. Uh, Is that the one? Part. Did you win that one? Uh, the first one? No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it it turned out perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, good, good. Uh, let's see, Friday night was the last uh, gathering of the Historic Society, our last program. Of course, we gather every Saturday morning, but the last program, it was the awards banquet. And I wanted to share a little bit of that with our radio audience because for the first time, the Historic Society decided, uh, well, our president, uh, what's his name? White, I believe. Uh, what? Yeah, well, it's not black. In any event, he decided that we should recognize those in the community uh -huh. uh, beyond our own membership uh, that have made substantial contribution to mm -hmm. our mission, which is to discover, preserve, and protect the uh our local history. And uh, we recognized six individuals. And let me just briefly run through them and again express our, our uh, appreciation for their effort. Uh, Mayor Bill Ketron was certainly on the list. And uh, I enjoyed teasing him about uh, making his thank you remarks a little bit longer than, than was necessary. Uh, he is running for re-election, but he has done more of late to preserve our historic courthouse. Mm -hmm. It was showing very much in the, in the campus and the building itself, uh, its age and uh, some lack of attention. And uh, now it looks better than it's looked just about any time since the 60s. And uh, also, uh, the interior, uh, with Bill's leadership, is being converted, part of it, into a local history museum, mm -hmm. which is very much on uh, Mayor Bill's initiative. And uh, that should be uh, dedicated before the end of the month. I believe the, the Thanksgiving week is the targeted time for it to open with the initial exhibits. And then long term, uh, Bill's support made possible our getting past and implemented the 
tax abatement, property tax abatement for historic preservation mm -hmm. of private property. And uh, I think Bill was an obvious uh, one to be recognized for his, his efforts there. Another one was my friend Mike Lyles. Uh, Mike uh, was there with his wife. And uh, Mike has, for as long as I can remember, been kind of the, the go-to fella for uh, the uh, Stones River Battlefield mm -hmm. and the volunteer support for the activity there and, and furthering that. Uh, he also, and this I take very personally, back when our history was being challenged and misrepresented uh, by uh, a small group on the campus, uh, Mike was the only one of the so-called citizens group who was willing to stand up and speak for the community and uh, ultimately his position when he got up to the state level prevailed and uh, no uh, real harm was done but he put up with cat calls and interruptions and profanity uh, to be our voice uh, in that exercise and uh, that I really appreciated. So Mike was rec recognized for his contribution. Uh, I enjoyed introducing and, and uh, handing the award to Mary Watkins. Uh, Mary Watkins is, as far as I know, uh, if not the original founder of the Afro-American Heritage Society, mm -hmm. at least the leadership that uh, I've dealt with a number of times. I first met her when she was interested in preserving some history of a uh, very unusual and special Rutherford County, uh, Apple John. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, and Mary is quite an accomplished artist and yeah. did a portrait of Apple John. Uh, which it she does said, look like him. Oh, it's very much. Yeah. <laughs> very good, very good likeness. And for her efforts, we uh, were glad to, to recognize. Uh, another one that uh, was introduced was uh, someone that you're familiar with, Bart Walker, WGNS. Yes, and good old I, Bart. Yeah, I mean, one of his contributions to our history is putting you on the air and uh, archiving every single one of your uh, shows on the air, which uh, I have used. Uh, something called uh, play on demand yeah. and uh, uh, there's so much there it's hard to find uh, just what you're looking for but it's been preserved also Bart has been a very strong supporter of historic society activity mm -hmm. uh, his uh, events neighborhood events uh, will always uh, include reference to some of the historic society activity uh, another one uh, that uh, I was glad that we uh, were able to recognize is Bobby Sue Shelton. Um, Ms. Shelton is the recognized historian of Eagleville and was the co-author of the, the written Eagleville history. What is her relationship with Joe, Joe Shelton? Well, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Is he from Eagleville? Oh, gosh. He was principal over at Eagleville High School for well, a long time. Well, that's probably, there may well be the connection Eagle there. Eagle School, period, I guess. Yeah. 
And the last one that was on our list of recognitions is uh, the first time that uh, the society has recognized someone posthumously for their contributions. And uh, you could almost guess who I'm talking about, Bubba Woodfin. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, and let me let me extend my comments on Bubba a little bit because uh, he is continuing to make a significant contribution through his his lifetime collection and efforts. But uh, the late John Bubba Woodfin is the first posthumous recipient of the Rutherford County Historic Award for lifetime contributions to the discovery documentation and preservation of Rutherford County history. Quoting myself, our friend Bubba was an avid collector of antiques and artifacts and much of his collecting related to the early years of his native community. Fortunately, he enjoyed sharing his knowledge and showing his collectibles. For example, when Woodfin obtained an original copy of an interesting document, such as the program booklet for the opening and dedication of the area's first airport, Sky Harbor. He shared it with his many friends. He went beyond just letting us all look at it. Yeah. He actually reprinted and distributed several hundred copies. He did this for several publications. He was an enthusiastic participant in the annual uh, Historic Society Show and Tell event he always tried to present an item or artifact that no one could identify until he explained the function. <clears throat> On one such occasion, he stumped his audience with a scissor-like device, which no one could identify in the audience. He finally explained that it was a bunion shoe stretcher. I could use that. I do not remember that. <laughs> uh, he uh, got a kick out of stumping everybody and then explaining what it was. <clears throat> Another piece of history from the Woodfin Collection is now a part of the new museum at our historic county courthouse. With the encouragement of Rutherford County Mayor Bill Ketron, a section of the original iron fence that surrounded the courtyard in the late 1800s was returned to the county. Several years ago, Bubba saw history where other people saw scrap metal and saved a piece of that old fence. Bubba often shared his backyard display with groups, including the Historic Society, where he had an authentic log cabin and a strip mall of antique storefronts with authentic signage and equipment from early Rutherford culture. Here also was housed his collection of classic cars and early automobile memorabilia. Among the cars were those he acquired in part to keep them from being sold away from the home county. Now, I remember when the Discovery Center was given a couple of old cars, not all of which they were able to display, and they decided to sell a couple of them, uh, originally from the Delbridge collection. And uh, Ralph, the late Ralph Bucket and myself were charged with trying to find buyers and recover some funds that could be used for the Discovery Center programs. And there was one car that we were very concerned. It was uh, about a 1913 T-model uh, that uh, it would have been a shame if it got out of the community. Yeah. And uh, we approached Bubba and Bubba bought the car and put it in his garage to preserve it and keep it from going out of the community. Keep that heritage keep that history close to home. Uh, 
Bubba was a special resource for those researching local history because of his extraordinary memory for names, family relationships, home and work connections, and personalities. It may have been part of his business. Yeah. Bubba had an extraordinary talent for meeting and befriending people, and he remembered what he heard and saw. Many was the time that he helped me make a connection or find a name pertinent to my research. Woodfin was a successful third-generation businessman and civic leader, as might be expected. His well-known place of business, the Woodfin Funeral Chapel, includes a gallery and expansive file of Rutherford County pictures and memorabilia. So I think it was more than appropriate that uh, he be posthumously recognized. Yeah, and we have a caller for the show. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Caller, welcome aboard. Hello. Hi. Hey, Truman and uh, Greg Tucker, is it is? Yes. Okay. Uh, just wanted to mention that uh, I had a few meetings with Bubba Woodson. Uh, I think his cornbread ought to be in that museum because he was famous <laughs> for that, I heard. You are exactly right. <laughs> he was famous for his corn, uh, cornbread. Yes, fact, he I was. Think yeah, I think uh, we have a copy of the uh, recipe for that cornbread, but nobody can perform the recipe like Bubba could. Well, I've I've heard many people speak very highly of it, and uh, uh, places that he went, people that he thought ought to have it, he was very generous with it. So I'm sure half of Rutherford County got a taste of that, and uh, I was fortunate enough myself to get a piece. So... That's all I wanted to say. Just wanted to mention that. Y'all have a good morning. Thank you, hon. You too. Yeah. Yeah. There were many, many times when a group would be having an occasion and Bubba would volunteer to be the cook or part of the cooking. I, I, there's so many of us in our family <coughs> that uh, he took care of. And uh, every one of us, as far back as I can remember, his cornbread was just unbelievable but one of the things I remember about Bubba is a lot of times I would sit with him during a funeral and he would sit there and recall the history of every person that they were taking care of that day and it was just it was fascinating to me because I knew a lot of those people also and when I was hearing what he was saying it just hit it right on he was he was a special man. And he made a, a special contribution, which, as I say, continues. Because yeah. I suspect that more of his collection will eventually end up in our local museum. Yeah. And uh, uh, There's one thing that I, he messed up on, though. He was supposed to be the last man to put me under. <laughs> and he didn't make it. Cause yeah, I yeah. told him, I, I expect you to be the last one standing. Bless his heart. Uh, I still miss him. Uh, I got an unusual phone call uh, just a few days ago. It was a, a reporter for the uh, public radio or public television. In fact, I'm not sure it was NPR. She identified herself. Uh, and said uh, somebody had recommended she call me for some of the research she was doing 
to prepare something that I assume would air on the television, the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she asked me about the history of the juvenile court in Rutherford County. All right. Yeah. All right. And uh, Was that a positive conversation? Well, I think she was very clearly uh, fishing for a new angle on yeah. a story we've been seeing. Uh, I told her the brief history that it uh, originally was the jurisdiction under the general sessions. And uh, within the last 25, All 30 years. All the way years, back to the judge yeah. in Rutherford County. Yeah. The county judge. Right. Yeah. And uh, that uh, only one person had held the office uh, in a direct election. And that was since 2000. And she seemed particularly interested in how aggressively was it contested. And I just said, I don't remember it being aggressively contested. But let's see, did Eddie Farmer run for the office? May have, but uh, I don't don't remember. I don't Uh, remember for sure. don't remember Juvenile. Yeah, but in any event, I referred her to something that I had written on the history of the courts for what uh, little information was available. And uh, she uh, said that uh, she would do some further research and perhaps want to do an interview again later. So heads up on that one. I don't know where that's going. I I can't wait to see you on television. Since it's going to be on public television, I'm sure that... I, well, if you could, been, could I ride up with you and, and, and kind of w- watch the uh, well, if you the had really, ceremony? If you had really been uh, keeping up with it, you know I've been on television on the public station several times with a rabbit. A wabbit? A wabbit. A wabbit, yeah. Yeah, from Murphy's Burrow. Murphy the rabbit. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've done several of them. Oh, this will be a big difference. Though. <laughs> uh, it's tough being... You will, you will have a shotgun aimed right at your head. Well, it's tough being interviewed by a rabbit. So <laughs> in any event, that's, we'll see what comes of that. Yeah. What's your forecast for the winter? Are we going to have a hard winter or an easy winter this We're going to have a very hard winter. This, is, this year is going to be bad. I hit it right on the head last year. Yeah, now so, what's this, your... This, this year, it's going to be tough. What's your source? Uh, my uh, arthritic bones in, in, <laughs> in my shoulders. Well, They're telling me, look out, big boy, it's going to be bad. Your bones are consistent with the woolly bear then. Yes. We got yeah. the report from the woolly bear observers. Uh-huh. And I wasn't sure exactly what you're supposed to look for, whether it's the thickness of his wool, which is hard to tell. But uh, according to one source, it's the color. Because if it's going to be a light winter, they'll be multicolored, brown, black. If it's going to be a hard winter, they let us know by putting on all black. And apparently the woolly worms are in their black (laughs) outfits. uh, Well, actually, uh, it's going to be real bad for another thing with the woolly worms is... I haven't seen any. They've all they've all died around my house. So. Are they already in hibernation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a second uh, folklore way of predicting that I was not really familiar with or haven't tried, and that is the persimmon seed. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you get a persimmon seed and split it, there's a pattern of the uh, interior of the seed that uh, also is predicting a uh, hard winter. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. Don't ask me to define exactly, but it has to do with the shape, whether it looks more like a knife, fork, or spoon. If it looks like a spoon, uh, it's supposed to indicate uh, a hard winter ahead. And I hadn't split any persimmon seeds, but some of those who do that in our folklore community are saying that it looks like a a, a double forecast for a hard winter. Do you have a large possum crop this year? A large what? Possum crop. See, they love persimmons. They absolutely... Well, uh, they probably just now are getting ripe enough to be attractive. Mm-hmm. with the last couple of nights of frost. Yeah. But no, I hadn't seen any possible. We were talking earlier about how we seem to have a bumper crop of skunks this year mm-hmm. out in our part of the county. Uh, but uh, possums, not yet. Now groundhogs. Whew. We got groundhogs under every every building. That's oh, got I love a, my groundhogs. Yeah, every building has got a floor uh, over the dirt. We've got groundhogs. Hey, guys, I've um, got one little thing. Someone sent uh, in some pictures uh, recently to us about with persimmons, and they all had the the spoon, and so I had to look and see what that means. So the spoon kind of means uh, uh, predicting a lot of snow, like you would, it would be like mm-hmm. a shovel. There's a, yeah. They also like look like a knife, and that's cold, but no snow. And then the fork is kind of a mild winter, so... And they also mentioned about squirrels. If you look to see where squirrels are building their nest in the tree, if the if they're higher than normal, then the squirrels are pre- uh, thinking that it's going to be a, a colder winter and uh, more snow, so they build their nest higher. So someone just emailed that while you were talking about it. Well, also they're building uh, the squirrels are building a nest in my attic. So I heard them this morning kicking around. Well, now we know how WGNS puts together its weather forecast. Yes, uh-huh. Good to know that Brian is, is that steeped in the folklore. WGNS <coughs> is far beyond any other weather forecast you'll ever see on television. Well, I don't know about that. But, hey, uh, the Old Farmer's Almanac also says cold and snowy for us, too. So you can add that to it. Well, well now you're going to get all the kids worked up about sledding this winter, and that... That may be uh, hard to explain later. Well, let's see. Who, who is, is it uh, uh, that sells ske- uh, uh, the sleds and all the the uh, winter trafficking type things? It's one of the hardware stores. Oh, Raleigh Holden uh, has a bunch. Uh, yeah, Raleigh. Yeah. Holden's got them on display probably out front. Yeah. Or we'll have them there. He, he's a better weather forecast than we are. Hey. How you doing? How's the big boy? He looks like he is. Truman is talking to Joyce and Bruce Johnson. Joyce is a former president of the Historic Society. She's JJ. Hey, Bruce. Good to see both of you. Good to see you. You guys, uh, are y'all getting out and walking around inside or outside today? Um, I don't know yet. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's good to see you. <laughs> Reminds us we enjoyed a, a very pleasant dinner last Thursday with uh, Ralph Fullerton, one of the residents here. Yeah, and got to, at Adams Place. We're at Adams Place, of course. Yeah, and got to uh, 
enjoy the Adams Place uh, dinner menu, one of the better restaurants, if you could call it that, dining rooms. You don't find many chefs in Rutherford County, and they have a full-time chef here Yeah, out of this world. And it's also fun to see all the old friends. We walked through the uh, dining room. We happened to be kind of in a back table, so we walked all the way through, and my wife was with me when we came in the door, and when I got to the table, I wondered, where, where's my wife? She had so many friends she had to stop and talk to that uh, <laughs> it was a while before she got to the table. I'm uh, sure. Yeah. She has friends all over this community, bless her heart. Well, particularly in the senior group. Is this senior out here? I didn't know if I was old enough to... You may qualify now. You think so? As an 80-plus, and you're already plus a little bit, uh, you would qualify. Guess what's coming up next month? Next month, Christmas. Next month, Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah. We're just about a month away from it. Well, actually, we're one day past it. Well, I know you'll do something special this Thursday, too. It's Veterans Day. It is Veterans Day. And on Friday, uh, and I wish I had the details, but I'm sure you'll have them uh, before Friday, is the uh, local symphony, Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra, uh, does a dedication of their program uh, to the veterans. Where is it going to be this year? That's what I say. I can't tell you for sure. I hadn't yeah. done my hadn't re- done my research, but uh, I have to be there. I mean, yeah. Before this, this all those before, we, songs. before the week's out, I'll be sure you have the information so yeah. you can share it with your audience. Yeah, but, uh, it's a special program, and it starts the symphony season. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, the Thursday, the eleventh, is of course Veterans Day, and the concert is Friday night. Uh, this week. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Greg Tucker. The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, FM 101.9, AM 1450, online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, I'm Larry Castelli, and I love living at Adams Place. It's very friendly. Everyone here seems to want to make friends and be your friend. And the staff is fabulous. Betsy, who is the director of activities, is fabulous. She's always having something going on. We have music at least once a week, wine and cheese, and there's all sorts of different type of activities. I would highly recommend Adam's Place. I'm Louis Snyder, Studio S Pottery. I want to invite you to the Art Studio Tour, which is November 20 and 21. My studio has been sold and will be closing the doors the end of December. All works on sale. Art Studio Tour, November 20 and 21. We'd love to see you. A map showing all studios is at artstudiotour.org. Del Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Listen to my show, the Del Wamsley Radio Show. 
where the hype ends and the help begins. Catch the Dell Walmsley Radio Show Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio WGNS. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Our people, that's the difference. Maples Realty and Auction. I'm Betsy Maples-Taylor with Maples Realty and Auction Company in Murfreesboro. Here's a look at our upcoming auction. Live auction coming up on six land tracks in Murfreesboro. The tracks range in size from 0.61 acres up to 3.77 acres. All have soil sites and are ready to build on. See you Saturday, November 13th at 10 a.m. More information at maplesrealtyandauction.com. Maples Realty and Auction. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. A sunny day with temperatures in the 50s brought record crowds to the Habitat for Humanity's 14th annual Cook and to Build around the historic Rutherford County Courthouse. Patrons are giving praises that this was the best one ever with all the parking spaces being taken within a three-block radius of the square. Cook and to Build coordinator Megan Hutchings noted that proceeds from Cook and to Build go toward helping low-income families have an opportunity to enjoy the benefits of home ownership. Lori Cutler, a business development executive at Redstone Federal, won the 2021 Read to Succeed Celebrity Spelling Bee Thursday night after beating out eight other competitors. After 15 rounds of spelling, the final round came down to a head-to-head challenge between Cutler and Lisa Trail, Director of Communications from Murfreesboro City Schools. Cutler's winning word was mandible, while Trail was knocked out by the word malign. There was a three-vehicle crash at the intersection of Broad and Lytle about 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Paramedics from Rutherford County Emergency Medical Services and Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue were quickly on the scene to render first aid. Murfreesboro police were there to control traffic and do an investigation into what caused the wreck. There was no life-threatening injuries and all vehicles involved were SUVs. Governor Bill Lee extending a controversial executive order. On Friday, the governor extended an order allowing parents to opt students out of school COVID-19 mask requirements. The extension means the order will be in place till November 19th. Federal judges have blocked the order from applying in three counties. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button. Or follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Hey, it's Men's Health Month, so be sure to get all your levels tested with a comprehensive annual health assessment at Low T Center. They'll check all your levels, not just your testosterone levels. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, notice weight gain and loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now, Low T Center offers the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for only $155 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. And they can ship directly to your home. Uh, let me say again, it's only $155 a month for monitored self-inject treatments, and they ship directly to you. 
At Low T Center, most insurance is accepted. Be sure to book your appointment online right now at lowtcenter.com. That's lowtcenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the low 70s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies, a low near 41. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 40. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896 4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896 4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, FM 101.9, AM 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Greg Tucker and having the the smartest lady I've ever run into. She called and gave us the answer of when the uh, where. where when and where. Well, we knew it was Friday night, but the where had escaped me because uh, I think this be the first time that they've used that venue, Bel Air Baptist. Yeah, on uh, Rutherford Boulevard. Uh, tell everybody where that is because you were trying to tell me and and I got lost it's on the corner of Las Casas Pike and Rutherford Boulevard Okay, across from uh, there's a Kroger shopping center across Rutherford Boulevard from it and uh, big uh, beautiful church building I try to never miss that one I don't think I ever have I think I have been to some performance there yeah, because I'm remembering the facility, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, pay at the door, and uh, the I, I believe the uh, admission is uh, less than it has been in the past. Uh, well, I'm going to go dressed up. I got some new clothes uh, yesterday. Um, now, they've all got orange. They've all got Tennessee on it. So, but I will be comfortable. Good. So everybody come and, and enjoy and, and 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 in a way you, you're supporting uh, not only our veterans but also our country. So it's it's it'll be a beautiful night and the songs are just are, are the kind that's just out of this world. Well, we've been remembering interesting people and exceptional people in Rutherford County. There's one that I have not taken time to uh, uh, speak on that uh, we lost back in July. Uh, a really extraordinary individual who yeah. uh, he wrote his autobiography, which I know is now in a special collection in the Smithsonian. I'm talking about, well, let me use a name I hadn't come across before. Irvin Lawrence, we all knew him. Nobody knows him. Uh, Irvin Lawrence, yeah. but we all knew him as Mike, just yeah. simply Mike Lawrence. And um, Mike one time said that, uh, well, of course, we I knew him very well as a fellow journalist because he did a column on outdoor uh, sports fishing primarily and yeah. forecast the uh, what you should be fishing for and how. 
and uh, he competed in the professional fishing tournaments. And he once uh, said facetiously that uh, he bragged that he was the best blind tournament fisherman in the entire world. He was the best fisherman, period. Right. The man, although being totally blind, uh, pretty much, could cast a uh, uh, fishing lure within a half a feet of the bank. I have seen him do it. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Well, he said he was the best blind tournament, tournament fisherman in the world yeah. because he knew he was the only blind tournament yeah. fisherman in the world. He and I had a, 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 an occasion together, which is very unusual. We both got sued. <laughs> he sold a pistol to a, 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 a person, and uh, the person ended up, believe it or not, this, of course, this is a sad event, uh, committing suicide. And we were both sued because he sold the individual the gun, and then I signed the okay. The permit. Yeah, permit, but uh, I got off before he did because... Uh, I only signed the uh, paper that this person had no criminal record whatsoever. Yeah. So, um, well, it, he, but. Uh, it was eventually dismissed as to him. As yeah, well. but Mike and I were friends for many, many years and just absolutely thought the world of him. And he was a great guest. Just, I mean, he, he for a long time, he would come on the show periodically and, and uh, uh, we would talk about everything from his dogs the cni dogs that he just absolutely loved and uh and his and his fishing mostly but he i remember when he would sail uh not too far from where the, the old jail was on west main street and uh he sold a lot of sports products there and everybody if if they needed anything they would go to mike well i want to read something about mike because among his various achievements. Uh, early in life, he was a lifesaver, quite literally. In fact, his uh, biography says that, uh, reminds us that over his lifetime, uh, particularly his early days, see, he didn't turn blind until his early 20s. Yeah. And it was a hereditary uh, disease that eventually took his sight. But uh, he's credited with saving eight lives. Uh, and four of them had to do with the river situation. Yeah. Three were in a house fire, and he rescued one child in a rain barrel that had fallen into a deep rain barrel who couldn't get out and was at risk of drowning. But let me read about a teenage fisherman who drug a mother and two children from the river. And this is an article contemporary with the event, which we figure was about 1948. Mm -hmm. uh, because it starts off by pointing out the age of uh, the individual. Senator Murfreesboro appeared in the, in the newspaper in Murfreesboro, and I'm quoting from the article now, a teenage fisherman who learned life-saving methods as a Boy Scout is acclaimed a hero here yesterday after he rescued a mother of two children from drowning in Stones River. Irvin Lawrence, 16. See, that's where I picked up. I think his name was Irvin Michael. And so the newspaper picked up, as they usually do, the first name. Lawrence, 16 years old, plunged twice into the waters 
of Ransom's Mill, Mill Pond, and swam out when Mrs. Maddie Sue Thurston, 29, and their children, Martha Sue, three years old, and Robert Howard, two. The youth then gave the youngest child artificial respiration until he survived. A third child, Clark, six years old, was also in the water, but managed to save himself while Lawrence was swimming to the others. The mother, and there is a sad aspect to this article, obviously the yeah. mother was very troubled. The mother, who took the children to the scene of the near tragedy in a taxi cab, was committed to Central State Hospital later yesterday. The order for her commitment was issued by Rutherford County Judge Hoyt Stewart at the request of her husband, George Thurston, a Murfreesboro mechanic, and upon affidavits signed by two physicians affirming that the mother was mentally ill. Members of the family declined to offer any explanation of the occurrence, and State Patrolman John D. Sanford who took Ms. Thurston and the three children to Rutherford Hospital, said she told him that she had taken the children to the mill pond to see the dam. The patrolman also stated that <clears throat> the, the, the boy, Clark, that was the six-year-old, mm -hmm. told him and others at the scene that his mother had told him to wade into the pond to see how deep it was. After treatment at Rutherford Hospital, the four were taken to their home on South Academy. The youngest child, Robert Howard, who remained in the water the longest, was apparently the most seriously affected, suffering shock and exposure. Lawrence, son of Mr. and Mrs. Herschel Lawrence of nearby Tuckertown, is a junior at Central High. Lawrence likes to fish and yesterday had gone to the mill pond situated not far from his home and about a mile and a half northeast of Murfreesboro, accompanied by his collie dog, Laddie. <laughs> Lorraine gave the account of the rescue. He was fishing on the west side of the mill pond between 8.30 and 9 o'clock when he saw the woman and three children get out of the cab and approached the mill pond on the opposite bank. Quoting, I looked away a minute, and when I looked again across the river, they were all wading, but into the pond, and one of the children began to scream. The pond is about 20 feet deep at that point. Leaping into the water, Lorenz swam across losing part of his clothes en route. That's part of his scout training you shed because with clothes on, you can't do near as much in the water. Yeah. Ms. Thurston was clutching Martha Sue. She and Robert Howard had sunk out of sight by the time the youth reached them. He grabbed the woman and girl and towed them to the bank. Presently, he saw the youngest child bob to the surface and plunge to again and brought him to safety.
I gave him artificial respiration that they taught us in the Boy Scouts until he started crying and I knew he was going to be all right. Some woman who lived near the river arrived about that time. Lawrence hid behind some bushes because of his lack of clothes, but asked them to call the police. The report received by police was that a child had drowned at the mill pond. Assistant Chief Claude Vance, Policeman Frank Lamb, and Joe Fulgham, a Murfreesboro merchant, set out for the scene with grab hooks, but met the highway patrol car on the way into the hospital with the woman and children. Vance said he later talked with Mrs. Thurston, and she told him she had taken the children out to see the river. Frank Hinky, dispatcher for the cab company, said Miss Thurston, appeared not the least bit disturbed or worried when she came to the office on East College Street yesterday morning and waited several minutes for a cab. Van Inslee, driver, who took them out to the mill pond, also said that the woman did not appear disturbed when she left the cab. Members of the family said Ms. Thurston was, Ms. Thurston left home to go uptown and that they did not know she had gone to the mill pond until they were called there later. After the rescue, Lawrence returned to his home to get some dry clothes. A short time later, when someone was inquiring for him, his family said he'd gone back to the river to fish some more. Well, one part that he told me, we discussed that situation over time. It wasn't just some clothes that were missing by him. It was all of them. Well, he hid in the bushes when the, <laughs> the lady came up, the first person back on the scene. Yeah. And again, that's what... Uh, the Boy Scouts and others trains is yeah. don't attempt to rescue if you're fully dressed. And uh, as he swam, he said he shed the clothing after he was in the water and swam. So probably the clothes were down the river before he got out. The Boy Scouts did a lot of remarkable things for our kids over the years, haven't they? Well, Mike was a Boy Scout during... Uh, probably the strongest period it extended on through the 50s yeah but the 40s as a result of the scouts support for the war effort uh just about every city boy was a boy scout mm -hmm. and uh the skills of survival and rescue were uh very important in the program yeah uh speaking of scouting uh, let's go up another notch um the wall, the Vietnam Wall, is going to be here Thursday. This is the traveling exhibit in memorial to those who died in the Vietnam conflict. Right. And uh, Thursday, of course, is Veterans Day, and we're, we're celebrating that that day. And, our, our, and the wall is going to be... Um, a special event for us here in Rutherford County because we did lose a number of our uh, young people during that war and and I, I think that most of us want to uh, 
be over there and attend that special celebration of our veterans and the one who did so much for uh, our country and Vietnam. Well, uh, reading the, uh, I was reading, I was struggling a little bit because I'm reading from the actual clipping, which is faded. Uh, but I heard a name or two in there that reminded me of that lost Fulgham. Joe Fulgham. Yeah, I believe it was his father that was being quoted who was with the law enforcement at the time. Yeah, he was, he was a year or two older than me, and uh, he, he was a, uh, I, I believe he was a captain. I may be wrong, but I believe he was a captain in service. And we also lost the, uh, Robert Boyd. It was a Kittrell boy, and and uh, it was, um, I, I guess during that period, I, I guess most of them were uh, people close to my age uh, that um, um, we lost during that period. I, I do like to uh, take a, um, a time off when, I'm, when it comes up in Flag Day, and I do like to give uh, Robert... Uh, a special uh, notice and a flag during that time and William Burkhart. They were both in the same class together. Well, with uh, perspective of time, we appreciate the memorial and its symbolism, but I remember when it was first designed and being uh, structured, a lot of people weren't sure that this was the type of memorial that would be appropriate, but I've been there several times. I've run down names on it and uh, you find the name, but uh, it carries quite a message because it starts off small. Yeah. And just a few names. And it grows and grows and gets taller and the names become, and you get a real sense of the loss and the tragedy involved and yeah. for so many. And then it fades out and disappears back into the ground uh, on the original. Well, it's close to 60,000 that we lost. Yeah, when it first went war. up, it was right about 50,000, and they add names as we know the names and confirm the missing in action and such as that. It, it, those names should never be forgotten. In, in each conflict that we've had, and when we have lost our special uh, young men and, and young ladies in, 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 uh, some, to some extent, uh, don't ever, don't ever forget those people because yeah. think of what they've done for us. I believe this uh, war memorial, the Vietnam War Memorial, is the only memorial that names every loss, and it is intended to name every one who was lost. It's the reason they continue to add to it as we identify others. Yeah, uh, we have memorialized in. Uh, Rutherford County, those from Rutherford County, but uh, I believe I'm correct. The Vietnam War Memorial is the first time a national monument attempts to name everyone who died in the conflict. I think it's because, to some extent, that um, those particular uh, warriors in that conflict were not... Uh, um, appreciated like they should have been. In fact, they, the, the people uh, of a certain group uh, looked down on them. And um, it, it was a terrible time 
in, in our nation when we our best of the best were not appreciated and honored and uh, uh, I think finally reaching out to them is pretty special well this traveling reproduction of the monument uh, I think also was prompted by our recognition that we did not at the time show the appreciation that we should have I'm saying yeah. we as a nation yeah. and certain elements in the population can you imagine going over there and uh, giving your life and, and a, a lot of people really never recovered from their wounds, whether both mental and physical, during that particular conflict? And can you imagine going through that and not being able to be given recognition of what the the price they played and, and, and paid? And I just I, I've never understood it, but. We, this country goes through different times. Yeah, I think a lot of people right now, we don't know how to react to the Afghanistan conflict. Yeah. Where fortunately a lot fewer were lost, but there are those that were lost there. The families suffered the loss. And I don't think any of us are real sure how we should re respond and react to, to that conflict and the history of that conflict. But this country has always been the light of the world and if we ever discontinue that um, we, we would never be the country that it was meant to be uh, pe people want peace and, and they want freedom and uh, once we give that up then uh, it'll be a, a, a terrible situation for everybody are we through, big boy? I think we've about used up our productive time. We have, but uh, I could sit here and listen to you forever. <laughs> I enjoy it. Well, uh, I expect you'll have some special guests on Thursday, which is Veterans Day. Yeah. And i uh, be particularly interested in what we might hear from some veterans. Yeah. I'll be trying to find, uh, of course, they are the best of the best. It's not difficult to find them. Thank you, Truman. Thank you, Greg. All right, guys. We will see you in the morning at night. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.